following podcast mm. may contain strong language not suitable for all Comic-Con attendees. Mm. I forgot Comic-Con mm. was happening. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Welcome to the Better Left Podcast. We are, This is our 10th episode, Whoa. you guys. <gasps> It is. Yeah. Very so, cool. Welcome back to the Better Left Podcast. I'm sitting here with Troy. Howdy, friends. Corn. Hey. Bill. What's up? And we've got Jay on production. Production. <laughs> He's producing. Uh, we've also got our two studio dogs, Homer and Virgil. So if you hear shakes in the background and whimpering, those are the two dogs frustrated oh. that we won't let them leave the woof, studio because they're too loud. Um, so on today's episode, we've got a number of stuff we're going to talk about. We're going to start out with our What the Shit segment where we just talk about some of the crazy stuff we've heard this week and then we're going to go into our big news breakdown where we talk a little bit about some racist ass tweets about the squad from yours truly donald dj trumpo there's uh, nothing crazy going on this week is there? <laughs> nothing Never crazy now. ever goes on no <laughs> and then we're going to be going into our uh interview that we did with tammy morales who is a city council candidate for district two in seattle really great conversation it was very super good. interesting to listen to. Yep. I really solid candidate. It, she's really solid, super knowledgeable, just really on the issues, really on target with everything that she has to talk about. And so I was very impressed. Uh, and then we're going to be rounding it out with our palate cleanser where we're going to be playing a round table of get to know you questions. You guys can get to know a little bit more about us as people. I think some of us have questions and one of us has a BuzzFeed quiz. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's just get started. Let's jump into our what the shit segment. What, what the shit. What the uh, shit. shit. What the shit? And I think, Troy, yours and mine, when we both sent links to the group chat, are uh, almost the same. I know. Funny that you would steal my jokes. Funny that you would happen to be in my head attempting to steal back my jokes. <laughs> I try. Um, I try. So I got I have to just level a statement generally to everyone who's listening. Please stop giving wildlife methamphetamine. Because yeah. it is, there are meth up gators in Tennessee. <laughs> So what is the story here? How do you even give gators, like, do they intravenously, are they just throwing meth in their mouths? So I'd like to step in with a PSA real quick. Yes. Uh, we are in the middle of a methamphetamine and opioid epidemic in so this So why country. are they wasting good meth? No, I'm kidding. What, what is exactly <laughs> going on here? And like, what's... So this is, uh, so what's happening <sighs> is suspects, before they get caught, are flushing them down the toilet oh, no. to avoid capture. And then this is a problem in Tennessee, according to the police, because the drugs in the sewer system are being, pro they're being processed in retention pods, ponds before they go downstream where they hit up the gators. And these gators are like messed up out of their minds. Can um, I have, uh, uh, geographically, did you say it already? And I'm just so stunned that I'm not sure where they're absorbing their Ten runoff meth. Tennessee is the city where they found the meth Ten gators. Tennessee. Probably Florida. It's probably the doing of our resident supervillain Florida man. Uh, Messing up another place to be like, it's not all Florida, but it is. <laughs> oh, yes. And there's, it's like a lot. Like, folks, just don't, don't, don't flush your drugs. I'm good. Well, and not also like meth too, but don't flush your prescription drugs is what they were saying also. And a lot of people do that. They're like, oh, I don't need them anymore or whatever. They're going down the toilet. Um, you can take them to like places where they will recycle or not recycle, but, uh, you know, get rid of them in a, in a safe <laughs> recycle way. Them back not, in a new drug. not recycle them to the gators at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And maybe one day we can have a m adult conversation about drug use in America and the fact that everyone's using something here, whether it's a Hi. mental illness, uh, medication, Why'd opioid, you point at me? Tylenol, <laughs> oh. 
it's one of these things where maybe we wouldn't be polluting our waterways if we could have a legitimate conversation about adult drug use and an addiction uh, epidemic that is playing out right before our eyes. You know, there's a lot going on right now in, uh, in the city of Seattle talking about people uh, who are living on the streets that have an addiction. Um, many times they are medicating themselves. The city, you know, there are proponents of policies that would require people on the streets to pass a test, uh, you know, and, and someone um, whom I love dearly um, from District 6 would be Melissa Hall. She said, you know, there shouldn't be a value measure before a person can get help. And I agree with that 100%. Speaking of someone that needs help, I wasn't in Tennessee, um, but I took a walk to Alabama. Oh, that's different. Oh, Alabama. <laughs> And what's not different is they – there's a gentleman whom they presume um, allegedly was feeding a squirrel meth. On purpose? The squirrel called D's Nuts. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. D's Nuts! Yeah, those nuts. So and the alligators were by accident and the squirrel was on purpose. Yes, yeah. So he was arrested for um, – he was wanted for uh, possessing a legal firearm, but they – picked him up and he was in the possession of drug paraphernalia, uh, body armor, and and <laughs> methamphetamine-fueled attack squirrel. <laughs> and, I think of body armor and aww. I think of like a full, a full night suit of armor. On a squirrel. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, yeah. Well, so they show a video of it. We'll put it on uh, – we'll put it in the show notes. It is um, – the squirrel does look a little amped up. But then again, it's in a cage. I mean, I don't know. that. It's um, – but so here's I do want to say this. The public isn't in danger from a meth out squirrel in the neighborhood, Polk said with a chuckle. He's not on meth, I'm pretty sure. Better not find out he's on meth anyway. I don't think he likes that shit, is what he said. Oh, that's good. So the squirrel has drug preferences. <laughs> so at least he's tasted it. Uh, just as like a PSA too, we're laughing because you know sad clown gallows humor is all mm -hmm. we gotta do. But this is this is animal cruelty, and we are a very animal friendly household. Oh my gosh! This is all of us are animal friendly folks. Um, I personally was a vegetarian for six years, and then I dropped it because I started heavy weightlifting, and I have to eat certain kinds of meats. So I eat very lean protein. I stick to like fish, and uh, so I was pescatarian. That's what I am. I was I was a vegan. I did it. It's too hard. And and I lasted for 30 days, so props to, like, my multi-year I did it for, like, five and a half years or so. It is brutal. It is so brutal. I think you get an award for after a week, right? I think so. I feel like I should in the well, mail. Well, everybody gives you one because you tell everyone around you because you're just so hungry <laughs> and you're I, weak. All, I, I did it for 30 days. Like, I get it. So when people make jokes, like, you can tell everyone. I'm like, yeah, because it's really freaking hard. Yeah. Well, here I <laughs> am. Deserve like, it. I can't even quite get a knife through the jello. <laughs> Wait, that's not vegan. Oh. Well, and I, I kind of make a concerted effort to eat less meat, you know, just... I just think we, we just eat too much meat. <laughs> well, I was on Twitter just real quickly to talk about yeah. me real fast um, that I found on Twitter. No, I saw a tweet from Romney talking about his favorite meat, which he called hot dog. <laughs> he pronounces the T. He doesn't slurm hot dog. Well, it was just on his Twitter. It said, everybody knows my favorite meat is hot dog. And I'm eating... <laughs> Uh, he did actually, it was a video, and he said, um, I have sliced my hot dog in half, and I put oh. pickles, um, mayonnaise, um, hopes and dreams, and um, one of the golden tablets from church. Okay. <laughs> um, what's your guys' favorite weird meat? Oh, I like man. it. I mean, like, personally, 
I don't care that there's the pink slime. I'm all about them chicken nuggets. Like, Dang. I think the pink slime thing was yeah. proven not true. Was it? Okay, good. Yeah, that was Thank the, you. That was the yeah. tubby dessert maker from the Teletubbies. Yeah. <laughs> I want some of that. Yeah. So, I mean, we, uh, we, we take an ethical stance on, like, don't intentionally give animals drugs or things that they shouldn't be eating. If you're not sure if your animal should ingest it, Google is uh, – it's in your pocket computer – that lives in your lives with you at all times, your cellular telephone. You know, I'm going to just say if it's not dog food or some kind of a thing or if you're not preparing a, a recipe that calls for, you know, how to feed your dog, just don't feed it. Thanks. Just don't, just don't get it that cat. stuff. Yeah. yeah, just don't. And also, by the way, these animals, cats and dogs have been domesticated and have grown up alongside people. Stop giving them raw diets. Your animal doesn't need to be on a raw meat diet. It doesn't need to be on a vegetarian diet. Cats have canines and canines have canines for a reason. Please don't don't put them on meatless diets. They need it to live. Uh, yeah. What is that yeah. about? <laughs> but speaking of needing stuff to live, uh, I think corn is our next what the shit. Because you and I like basically were like, you know what's great? Messed up animals. Yeah, it was so funny. I was like, yeah, I see your alligator have these nuts. <laughs> yeah, no, just as disturbing as drugged up animals, but a very different uh, topic. Um, so the Seattle Times, they did their list of endorsements. Mm. Um for Seattle City Council, they are a pretty uh, conservative paper. Um, they they endorsed Adam, I'm pretty sure, in our race, correct? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Um, and so, you know, not super surprising that they didn't endorse the more progressive candidates in the races. But it's something that they said that really just made me go, what the shit? <laughs> um so, so in the race for for District Four, um, they endorsed a a person named uh, Alex Peterson, who's pretty conservative. Um, but what they said was, um, so after seeing President Donald Trump get elected, District 4 should be wa- uh, wary of novice candidates making... Grand, grandos. Grandiose. Okay. Uh, <laughs> District 4 should be wary of novice candidates making grandose promises. Grandiose. Grandiose promises <laughs> with catchy slogans. Uh, yet that's what's being offered by two of the best funded candidates in the race, union organizers Sean Scott and Emily Myers. Uh, for them, tax the rich is the equivalent of Trump's build the wall. Uh, such battle cries may resonate with partisans, but the plans fall under scrutiny. No, neither big companies nor Mexico will pay for their wish list. And <laughs> who wrote that? Uh, so I can pull up the guy's name, but like I said, it's from the Seattle Times endorsements uh, committee, committee, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By the Seattle Times editorial board is what it says. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm just like super disappointed that even in Seattle, we're fucking comparing the left and wanting Jeff Bezos and the rich to pay their fair share of taxes to the right wing and white supremacy and wanting to build a wall and wanting Mexico to pay for it. It's offensive. Yeah. The idea that the far left is this because we're demanding corporations who build their pool of wealth on the back of the workers that live in that area. We are demanding that they pay their fair share back into the infrastructure we use to the schools we send our kids to while we're br- busting our asses to build up that gigantic wealth bubble and those CEO bonuses for them. That that's the same as saying a racist ass wall meant to keep people who are from South America, who are from Central America, who are from Mexico out 
out of this country and then demanding that country pay for it. To act like those are the same thing is to grossly misuse the idea of both concepts of left and right. We are asking for basic human decency on the left. We are asking for basic human necessities to be met by the people that utilize them the most by by disenfranchising and exploiting our workforce the most. We are not asking for people to be banned or alienated or removed from the country or blocked from coming in or to feel like they're not welcome here. We're just asking for corporations to recognize the impact that they have on the communities that they are in. Honestly, Bezos could have done a lot of work here to head this stuff off. And what What's frustrating about it is it took things to get to a fever pitch before they decided, oh, we're just going to give $2 billion, it, you know, us and Microsoft and everybody like, look at us, we care, we got all the money in the world, but here's a pittance. And the thing is, and that isn't to say that this won't go for good, but why do we have to go that route and also pay your fair share? How much of the money that you have, Mr. Bezos, um, is offshore, you know, tax-free. Yeah, and and everybody in the media needs to understand we're we're done with like false equivalencies of left and right. This is this is over. Like the American elites are on trial. They're on trial in the Epstein trial. They're on trial with the fossil fuel crimes that have been perpetrated on people. They're on trial in the court of public opinion. We're talking about a reallocation of power. Period. And I mean, that that call for tax the rich, that call for taxing the rich, I think I talked about this on the last on the last podcast, but it's not really about taxing the rich. It's not really about about money in the way that we think of money. And like, this is the the trick that we're falling into. This is a trap that we're falling into. We talk about money as working class folks. We literally mean money. We're literally talking about actual dollar values in our accounts. But when the billionaire class like Jeff Bezos is talking about money, they're not actually talking about money. Do you think for one second, he even thinks about whether or not he can afford something. No. That thought is so far from his mind. He hasn't thought about that in decades. But, but you see these people talking about wealth as if that's the case, but it's not true. What they mean is they mean exactly what Bill said. They mean power. Yep. So when we say tax the rich, we don't mean tax the rich. We mean take back the power. And also tax the rich, at the very least, get what they owe now. And look, these guys, and I know that this there's this this right wing reversal of talking points where they're like, but they earned that. No, they didn't. Let me explain something to you in a in a really simple way. It was actually Jay who explained it to his friend in the same way. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna come at you with this one. So I'm sitting here and I have a great idea for an app. I have an amazing idea for it. And I turn to my friend who knows how to build it and I say, Hey, this is my great app idea, but I need your help in order to make this happen. And my friend says, Cool, I'm all in. And you say, Well, because it was my idea, I get to take 80% of, of all the profits we make and you get 20%. But that's forever. No matter what happens, no matter how much money we sell it for, no matter what, you only get 20% and I get 80 because it was my idea. Would you go for that deal? Fuck no. <laughs> you would not go for that deal. No. But we're asking workers to take that deal. We're telling them that they have to because if it weren't for this guy, they wouldn't have jobs. No, if it weren't for those guys, that guy wouldn't have a paycheck. But we already know their character, didn't Gates and and Zuckerberg steal their ideas? Oh my gosh! Oh yes. How and so, so Bezos did as well. Go in by like the perfect thing is uh was it diapers dot com where they basically just said hey we're gonna shut them down we're gonna we're gonna sell our diapers so cheap that they go out of business and then we're gonna buy them and 
They're done. And if you want to know the judge them by the company they keep, let's look at Mohammed bin Salman. The man that chopped up Jeff Bezos' employee from the Washington Post, who was in Washington taking pictures with Bezos and Gates and in California with Zuckerberg and drinking with The Rock. You want to talk about the character of these men? Let's talk about it. Yeah, we feel very strongly about this. So I'm just going to go out of my way and just say, fuck that comparison, Seattle Times. That's bad and you should feel bad. I, I mean... Bill's right. You judge a man by the company they keep, but dove that flies with crows quickly turns black. Like, they are corrupt, corrupt douchebags. And we will not tolerate people that are fighting to get working class folks in Seattle. Absolutely. Where we have a gross income inequality, where we have our homelessness crisis is third worst in the country, where we are struggling with an infrastructure that's literally falling apart underneath us, where we have needs of the communities because they are bringing in all these people to help these multi-billion dollar corporations and taxing all of these programs and not paying back into them. That is not the same as building a wall. And not only that, but they are like gig economy workers are working their asses off three, maybe even four jobs. And that's in support of their dream. What's happening? They don't get health care. We're subsidizing their health care through emergency room visits and like they don't get preventative care. Why are we responsible? Even like you think about Walmart, those folks they are not making a ton of money, but they depend on the system. They're getting food stamps. They're like they're just trying to make it work. And that is just everyone's like, ah, oh, well, they just need to get a better job. Well, it's not that easy. And also, by the way, why are we subsidizing a company's responsibility to take care of their employees? Exactly. If you're going to have people work for your company, you better be able to give them a living wage. You be- they better be able to afford their rent, food. They better be able to afford electricity. They better be able to afford a cell phone bill, health care. They better be taken care of because if you were going to use that person to increase your profit margin, you better be giving them back so they don't need to pull from our program. And proof in the pudding. Dan Price decided everyone 70K, no matter what you do. And if you made more than that, that's fine too. They are doing well. Those people are happier. They are feeling more appreciated. They are able to afford living. They're able to, you know, do things they weren't able to do before. They become very grateful and wonderful stewards of the business and of the leadership. Like they become a part of that process. You can you can buy my loyalty and all it takes is paying me what I'm actually worth. I'm just giving a shit about your employees. Just give a shit about you. Like the reason I am where I am right now is because I have flexible hours. They pay me really well. They treat me really well. And I will I will stay with them for a long time because of it. But I mean, this is this ties pretty much into this. These comments about Trump tie pretty well into our (gasps) big news breakdown. We're breaking it. So I'd let you finish it. You're welcome. Uh, so this is this is the one that's kind of been popping on the social meds and like popping, popping, pop, popping with an apostrophe on the social meds. Um, so Trump telling the squad, AOC, Rashida Tlaib, uh, Ilan Omar, and Ayanna Presley to go back to their co- go back to where you came from. You don't like America? Go fix your go country. fix. You come from all these horrible countries. Okay, let Shit me countries, let I me think, tell yeah. you a thing. AOC comes from New York. Okay, Rashida Tlaib comes from Michigan. Um, they're Ayanna all Americans, Pre- by the way. Ayanna Presley comes from Boston. <laughs> okay, and and Ilan Omar is the one he was really firing oh, at. Oh yeah, that, he was really firing at Ilan. I always just feel obligated to say this about her. 
maybe the strongest person to walk through the halls of Congress in a century. Perfect example of realizing the American dream and loves America, though I do want to say, do go to Boston. Fix that shit. Yeah. Boston's Please. the worst. Boston. <laughs> so, but this is Donald Trump telling these women to go back to where they came from. Their countries are horrible and corrupt. Their countries are this country. So I guess he's not wrong. And let me tell you something, dude, that is a racist statement. And you know, want to know how I know it's racist? Because the people of color in my orbit told me it was racist. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I, as a white person, do not have the authority to tell people of color what is and is not racist. Because all that is, when I tell them what is and isn't racist, is another form of fucking white supremacy. Because now I'm gatekeeping something that doesn't even belong to me. So every, all those white faces and those Trump crowds saying, it's not racism. Shut the fuck up. Yes, it is. And it is because people of color are telling us that because strong black women are telling us that strong Latina women are telling us that strong refugee immigrant women are telling us that and they are the ones who get to decide for themselves. Listen to the women describing what they every day death threats, people saying horrible things and they're weathering that piece of it. But here's the other thing. All of the Republican congressional um, uh, people who are serving in Congress right now refused to say that that was racist. It is mind boggling. And even if you don't want to take their word for it, according to like EEO and like workplace Mm -hmm. protection laws and stuff like that, saying go back to where you came from is harassment like that it is defined as being racist and and attacking a protected class and they are in a workplace environment like these are their co-workers so guess what not okay like even if you don't want to listen to them if you did this in your workplace you would get fired and listen telling people if they don't like it they can leave aoc got elected and has been on fire with great policies that the right is like this is horrible you know what motherfuckers if you don't like it you can leave i'm in a fight right now with a woman on twitter surprise surprise (laughs) what uh And I encourage you, Sarah Smith, for getting me addicted. (laughs) Um, I fought it for so long. But basically this woman, she's um, a conservative um, uh, Latina. She said, I am – I think if they don't like it, they can go. If they don't like America, they can go. They, you know, and, and I thought to myself, wait, what? That is America. So dissent, there's nothing more. I even said to her, there's nothing more American in America than dissent. And she, these people are sharing, not only that, they're sharing it from a place where they're fixing stuff. They couldn't be more engaged if their name were America. Like, you know, like if they were, I am the constitution, you know, like they're, doing the work and being saying, oh, no, it's time for you to go. It's like, shouldn't that apply to you as well, madam? Uh, You, you know, you have immigrant relations like your mother. You're like, I'm not sure what uh, what her generation is, but shouldn't she be packing up? She doesn't like America. Well, your congressional folks are under attack for doing what they should be doing. Well, just kind of to to uh, kind of link up to this a little bit. David Hogg, one of the Parkland uh, yeah, shooting great survivors, yeah. tweeted out, if Congress really cared about our vets uh, that die in war, they would stop sending them to endless imperialist conquests for oil. The white supremacy we are talking about, if we defeat that, these wars for oil end. When these wars for oil end, these 
multi-million dollar revenue streams for these oil companies all of a sudden go dry. These petro states all of a sudden find themselves in political turmoil. So when we talk about defeating white supremacy, this idea, this very real living idea that per has permeated time and institutions, it's done it so deeply that when we defeat this, it'll change the world. Yep. And the fact is, like, this this idea of if you don't like it, you can leave. Um, Barack Obama was president for eight years and you whiny little bitches went off about it and burned effigies of him if you didn't like him so much why didn't you leave and go back to your home country because I wish if, they would have if you're not an indigenous person shut up <laughs> and why is it okay for trump to say make america great again which implies that it is not great correct but why is it not okay for us to say we want to improve the conditions in america for when we see say that we aren't patriots or we need to leave the country or we want free stuff right I, it's not and the thing is the thing that i always tried to impress upon people that were like you just want free stuff i don't want free stuff i want the stuff my tax dollars are already going to pay for one of the most beautiful things you said you were like oh, we paid for this this is stuff we paid for already <laughs> well and like where I'm from, I know people who say these things and I know people who have sent their kids to war over these things, you know, and I like I, and I know that that it's just misplaced anger, misplaced resentment and where it's got to be directed is at the real problem. No. And what's really frustrating is that those people, you know, historically they're voting for Republicans because that is they do have the the brand or whatever of being pro-American and patriots and all that. But then we have Rand Paul who is voting wow. to or he blocked the vote apparently to to give um the first responders for 9/11 their health coverage because he was talking about fiscal responsibility and this doesn't fit. Less than two years after giving billionaires in America $2 trillion with no offset. So on Twitter, um, I think it was Rand Paul Hates America was uh, trending because we're going to fucking call that bullshit out. Like, you don't get to say that we don't love America, but then you your votes actually reflect that you do not love America and you do not love the people who protected you and your country. Let me tell you, when we talk about loving America, we also talk about things like loving our we, we conflate this concept of loving America with loving war, because that's what we've done for decades. Blindless choosing and following because, well, America. But we, we have to preserve freedom. Why? That is not our job. What is how? Who are we to be the arbiters of what other countries feel is and is not freedom? Or to elevate someone else's protecting of their freedom and not to say that is a bad thing. But what about our protecting of freedom, protecting Ilan Omar to be able to do the work that she's doing? Well, see, it's really easy to, to get into those sort of things when it's not your sons who are the ones that are being killed. Yeah. And I just want to say. We're we're very possibly in the middle of a very big political realignment. And yeah. to every soldier, sailor, Marine who has been uh, subjected to, you know, your experience in the U.S. military over the last 20 years, it is not your failure. It, these these are huge systemic failures. And these political leaders of the last two decades, especially, have been utter failures. So. If these sons of bitches really loved America, these sons of bitches, these sons of bitches really loved America, they would do everything in their power to make sure that the people like Bill, who gave the ultimate 
sacrifice and gave up their lives. You sign away your life. You sign away everything. You risk you risk death. You do. You sign I up to die. I know people who are dead because of this. I know people who know people who know a ton of people. Yeah. In the grave. Not because often it's because of self-inflicted stuff as a result. Right. But it's as a result. The violence has got to stop. And that's exactly it, though. They might not be dying in war, but it's the after effects. And it's the same thing for the first responders for 9-11. We talk about how much we respect them and how we're all about our 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 cops and our firefighters and, and our our uh, our soldiers. But we don't take care of them after they've protected us. If we really loved this country, we would pay back that service to those people and we would pay back tenfold what they gave up. We, we wouldn't would... have 6,000 veterans a year and about, killing themselves. And how about we would make sure that when they had to go into harm's way, when they had to defend our nation, that they had adequate materials and supplies, that the private military contractors weren't better equipped with higher grade uh, armor and all of that stuff and that our soldiers are seeking metal plates to protect the undersides of their vehicles from, you know, uh, roadside bombs. And why do we have a single veteran on the street? That is a choice. And that is a choice we're making by Republicans and Democrats. We could today make sure that all veterans, all first responders are taken care of, but it is a choice. So don't tell me that AOC and Elon and all of them don't love America because they're the only ones that are fighting for this. They're the only ones that are fighting to stop that number of 22 veterans a day who take their own lives because right. of PTSD and trauma. The only ones. They're the only ones providing a vision for this country at a crucial time when it's up op- when the opposition is intellectually bankrupt. And they're patriots and they're Americans and God bless them. And they are doing the hardest part, which is they are fighting to create a future for us where our only industry is an endless war and violence, where we create more of this trauma and more of this tragedy. They are being joined regularly by fellow progressives like Pramila Jayapal. Um, they are being born. They are being joined all the time by people that are finally realizing our country needs to move away from this culture of violence because it is unsustainable. And they are being told they are un-American because they don't want people to die because they don't think people should be sick because they don't think people should have no home, should have no food, no education. What is more American than taking care of your neighbor? And they are still fighting for everyone. Even if you don't like them, they're fighting for you, too. Oh, but did you hear? Elon Musk is now hooking us up to brains. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Uh, By by the way, what does that mean? Elon Musk is full of shit. (laughs) Jeff Bezos is full of shit. Bill Gates is full of shit. Just in case you forgot. Mark Zuckerberg (laughs) is full of shit. Well, that's the hit list. <laughs> um, but I mean, I th- not the hit list. No, that's, no. Yeah. That's the greatest hits, not a hit yeah, list. the greatest yeah. hits. No, 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 no. We're now on the hit list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what I would challenge and ask our listeners to do is we need to redefine what a patriot is and we need to redefine what does it mean to love america because it has been branded as this blindly love america and wave your american flag and whatever but i think that being a patriot means holding our country accountable and it means trying to make our country the best place it can be and making sure that every single american is taken care of not tanks and wars and boo 
<laughs> just boo. Just boo. Yeah. Let's boo. But this is important. And and when we talk about this, about creating this vision of America, we don't just mean try to create this vision of America on the federal stage. We also mean take take a look and try to create this America on the state stage, on the county stage, on the city stage, in your neighborhood stage. Yeah. And that's this is actually a great segue into our discussion piece where we sit down with Tammy Morales from uh, Seattle City Council District 2, where we talk a little bit about this, a little bit about how these national issues have affected her and her family on a local level um, about how she's been affected, about how local city policy affects this kind of stuff. We talk about what it's like to create a bigger, better, fairer America for everybody. So we're going to get right on into that right after a quick break. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy the piece. We are also releasing, doing what we always do with interviews. We're uh, releasing a snippet with Tammy for you to listen to on the episode, but we're also going to be uploading the the full interview. It's about an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes. Um, I definitely, I always urge everyone to listen to it all the way through. This one got kind of emotional. It was really good. But well, um, yeah, you and Jay did a <laughs> phenomenal, uh, a phenomenal interview, um, was really impressed, but there's some substance and some great stuff here. I was very, I was very proud that she chose to sit with us, and um, she's a smart woman. And she did not shy away from the hard questions, which is what we pride ourselves on doing here at the Better Life Podcast. So I hope you guys enjoyed the discussion. Uh, now we've got a discussion piece with Tammy Morales, City Council District Two, because this time we believe this discussion is better left to Tammy. All right. And now we are back in the Better Left podcast studio. We are here with Tammy Morales, who is running for Seattle City Council District 2, correct? That's correct. Fantastic. And I'm also here with Jay, who is normally producing, but is now helping us interview uh, Tammy as well, because we're trying to keep it all even and balanced for everyone we interview. This is twice now you've let me out of the editing dungeon, so I'm really excited again. This is great. I know, and especially after having just come back from a two-week vacation. In Arizona. So I'm really excited to be sitting down with you, Tammy. This is a lot of fun. We've been following your campaign. and Thank you. I know a lot of our volunteers, like we have Andrew in the room tonight. He was working on your campaign. Woo, so. Andrew. Yeah. yeah. We love that kid. So this is great. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Wonderful. And then, because I'm learning never to forget, we've got a corn doing production today. She's waving. So uh, everyone's here and we're kind of just ready to go. So we'll start pretty easy in like two or three minutes or just real quick, however long it takes you. What got you into politics? What got you here to this point? Oh, boy. I never, ever thought about running for office, uh, but I have been living here in Seattle for 20 years. I've been living and uh, well, I've been working in South Seattle since day one. My first job was here working on affordable housing, working on community prevention through environmental design. I've worked on food security and the things that I have been hearing in all the different neighborhoods in South Seattle and the Chinatown International District for many years is that uh, nobody's listening when we have great ideas, when we have creative solutions to some of our city problems, and we try to take those to City Hall, they sort of fall on deaf ears. And so I feel like we really need to build power for low-income communities, for people of color in District 2 and the community organizing work I've been doing for quite some time now, combined with my policy work and my experience as a city budget analyst, just make me think that I, I, the, the district needs somebody who will be a true advocate and who is excited about fighting for what we need. So I figured, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> and you challenged uh, Bruce Harrell previously, I did. who was the incumbent, is now stepping away. Right? That's right. I ran against him four years ago for many of the same reasons that uh, folks felt like their ideas were being dismissed. 
and that the real needs of the community were being ignored. And I got really close, came within 344 votes, but who's counting? (laughs) And uh, decided I'd go for it again. Awesome. I actually lived in D2 when you ran and I actually voted for you in that Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, So just as a person, what do you do for fun when you're not campaigning, when you're on unwind, do something fun, do something interesting? What do you do? Oh, boy. Well, I've got three kids, ah, so wow. the times that I can do something for myself are few <laughs> and far between. But we, we have a great time as a family. We do a lot of bike riding. We try to go camping in the summertime, for example, you know, hang out. Uh, my kids are into music. I would love to say I'm a musician. I can sing. I got a little game singing. Nice. All right. But my many attempts to try to play guitar have fallen flat. So, <laughs> so. If you win, you're going to go to karaoke with us, right? Oh, sure. (laughs) Happy to do that. I have to say I'm a little nervous about Candidate Survivor because I have no friggin' idea what I'm going to (laughs) do. My daughter suggested I cook, but I don't think I can do anything in three minutes on stage. Oh, wow. And then for anyone that's listening that doesn't know, what is Candidate Survivor? Candidate Survivor is a literally a talent show of candidates. It's hosted by Washington Bus. It might be... Uh, hosted by a few other organizations this year, but they host an event. It's at, uh, gosh, I'm embarrassed to say, I don't know where it's going to be, August 21st. And candidates have a few minutes to get up and show their stuff. That's awesome. I think that's a really cool idea. (laughs) I wish they would have had you do that when you were running, sir. I know. (laughs) I would have had so much fun with that. I don't know what I would have done either, though, honestly. I would hope karaoke. Imagine you I like to sing, too, so. There we go. Imagine. Um, Imagine you challenging Adam to like a dance off or a sing off. A karaoke off. That's it. what I would absolutely yeah. challenge him it's to. A walk off. So we do a lot of this in Seattle. We do a lot of eating. Generally, actually, in life, I do a lot of eating. If you had to pick one place in district, preferably, but out of district, also acceptable, uh, where is your favorite place to eat? Only one place? Oh, boy. Oh, you can list two. Okay. Uh, well, if you can't pick. I get it. I know. Well, <laughs> we go to Los Dinos quite a bit. Uh, which is at Othello and Rainier. I'm from Texas originally. They have the best Tex-Mex in the city, in my opinion. Uh, so I love that. And then um, my kids, well, we all love pho. So I don't know how we're going to pick a pho place. <laughs> I know the feeling. Pho is delicious, especially given the weather here in Seattle. Like nothing is better on a rainy, cold day than a hot steaming bowl of noodles. Yes. I love that. That's ugh, We do that all the time. But we we get it to our house through DoorDash because we're too lazy to actually go out and get it. <laughs> little pro tip, uh, make sure you tip your DoorDashers in cash though because DoorDash is only paying them a minimum if you exceed their minimum. It's like a dollar plus whatever your tip is. So. Yes, we learned that Good because we're ethical, lazy people. <laughs> so I guess we'll kind of jump into some stuff. I want to, uh, we, we've done this with every candidate, any headline that's popped up, we've asked them to come and talk about it from their own words. Um, so we know right way back, I think it was like January 20th, they had the DSA forum for all the candidates getting endorsed. And then Stranger said that there was a, that uh, your campaign wasn't present. And so we're trying to find out what happened from you directly. Well, thank you for that question. Uh, so I joined DSA back in October, November, uh, literally the afternoon that I heard Nancy Pelosi say that the progressive wing of the party was not in ascendancy. And I thought, well, there's one way to show that it is, and that's by increasing membership of DSA. So I joined, uh, and also to learn more about the platform. And I have not been active, um, 
the reason, well, because I'm running a campaign and that takes a lot of time. What? <laughs> I know. I know. Crazy. Uh, but honestly, the reason I did not go to that particular event was because um, I had asked, I, I was new. I was trying to learn more about the organization and I had asked before committing to go for information about how many D2 members there were and also for a little bit of information about how many people of color are members. Um, and I was pretty clear I felt that I did not want to be presented as a slate of socialist candidates um, because I wasn't ready to make that statement. And I I didn't get the information I had asked for. And I just felt like, um, you know, the word had been out. My, my picture was on posters before I got the information that I had been seeking. And I honestly just felt like it was a little bit of... Um, I just wasn't happy with that, the way that okay. went down. And so I decided that I was not going to participate because I wasn't going to participate in that way. Okay, that makes sense. And I think it's important to own that kind of stuff, too. I think that's incredibly important. It's critical. Um, I mean, did you have anything you wanted to add, Jay, or no? No, I think that's really important. Um, obviously, I'm actually, I think, one of the few people in this room who's not a member of DSA. And mm -hmm. Not for any particular reason. I believe in the work. I just... You're just an anarchist. I get it. <laughs> no, I think it's important. She doesn't believe I, in government at all. So, think, <laughs> uh, I'm not that level of libertarian, and I'm not right. even a libertarian. Uh, why did I even say that? A little tarian. A little tarian. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's good. I think it's a really good comment. Um, I like that perspective. And too. I will say, you know, this this campaign is centered on racial equity. That's what this is about for me, because of the district and because of who I hope to represent. And so that was my first question, and. And continues to be my first, my, my question, right? Um, my accountability, if I'm elected, is to the people of this district. And if they're not reflected in the membership of that org organization, then, uh, then that, you know, I am accountable to the people who elect me. Yeah. Um, and it's not to say that I don't respect the work and, uh, you know, I, I appreciate the platform, but the people who live in this district are going to be my priority. So... Who, uh, I guess we're going to jump into some general questions, really. And this is the one that I love to ask. I ask this of everybody who comes in because I think it's really cool. Uh, everyone has such a, the, the breadth of answers I get to this question is really neat. So what do you think the role of government is? I would say the role of government is really to protect the most vulnerable in our communities. Um, and again, the reason I'm running is because I feel like in this Time, especially right now when we have, uh, you know, sort of this corporate takeover of our city, it is the role of government to step in and intervene when uh, the market is not protecting people. And and that's, you know, why I'm running, because I do think that building power for people in this community is about building power so that they can access the resources that they need, given that the markets in our city are not providing it for them. And government needs to play a role in helping that happen by stepping in and providing access to housing, access to, um, you know, health care, transportation that people can afford that gets them to work and to the other places that they need to be. Um, so that's, that is, in my opinion, that's the role of government, local government especially. Awesome. And then, I, so one of the things I actually read on your platform, or I think it was a response to a questionnaire in Seattle Times, uh, you talked about how, as a city councilwoman, you believe that we should be divesting ourselves from Puget Sound Energy, or PSE, as it's known colloquially, and uh, that the city should take ownership of things like public utilities. And do, is this a thing that you think should be general all across the nation, that all utilities should be um, 
made public. They should all be public utilities and there shouldn't be private entities like PSC that are involved in the utility system. Or I think um, the problem there is that we, you know, we if we're trying to move as a as a country, move away from fossil fuels, um, then we need to make sure that the way we invest public resources supports that. Um, we have to move our trans our our infrastructure toward, you know, away from the fossil fuel industry. And I think that the re- the fact that they rely still um, heavily on fossil fuel for heating and is is the problem. Uh, so I think that if we are able to move away from that, if we're able to invest and build invest in a public utility, that that is gives us more control over the way those resources are used. Awesome. And for for context, all of us are like, yes, we do need publicly owned utilities and PSE and I do not get along. We're not friends. So <laughs> I just want to clarify one thing. So you say if we invest in public utilities, what does that mean to you? Uh, it means that we invest in infrastructure. We invest in uh, job training for people who need to shift gears and, uh, you know, move away from the kind of uh, fossil fuel dependent infrastructure that we have. It means investing in switching to renewable infrastructure. So there's throughout the supply chain, I guess you could say, um, there will be there will be changes needed and the people who work in those industries also need retraining. So that's part of what that means. But I mean, I also think that that um, talking about this from the perspective of communities of color too. We so we're a we're a very diverse city, and I know the D two especially is very diverse. Of all of the districts, I think it is the most diverse one. Um, it's another the all of this area is a I think in the ninth district total we're a majority minority district, and then the district two is also a majority minority district, but it's in a much larger margin than the whole ninth congressional district. Um, so we are there's a, a huge immigrant population, a lot of population. A lot of communities of color in this area. Um, Seattle is a sanctuary city. Is this? Do you support Seattle being a sanctuary city? Yeah, of course. Okay. And then there's recently. I am very passionate about this part. So uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez recently called, very rightly in my opinion, called the the camps concentration camps. Is this a, a sentiment that you agree with? Do you feel that they're they are concentration camps, or do you feel like it's something different entirely? Or we're definitely on the road to becoming concentration camps. Well, I don't know if they are or not, but they're disgusting and. <laughs> There is no reason for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, it's appalling to me, the conditions. And, and we're just hearing it more in the last few days about the conditions that people are in there, children in there with no food and water or medical care and sleeping on the floors. And I'm from Texas, so I know what kind of heat we're talking about. Um, you know, I've got family in Laredo. And and to know that there are there are families and children there. It's terrifying is um, just really disgusting. I'm extremely proud of our city for taking a bold stance on this and being a sanctuary city because these are these are people. They are people. At the end of the day, whatever you want to believe, wherever you're from, they're people. And yeah. to treat people that way is just absolutely despicable and abhorrent. And I'm proud of us as a city that we came together and we're like, nope, not here. Mm-mm. Yeah, I think all the way down, all through King County, I think we're all sanctuary cities. I think it's only, I think even Auburn, I thought they would be the holdout for some reason, but they're, I think they are too. But I think, you know, all of King County managed to do it. I do think it's important to point out one thing here, and that is even in Washington, though, we're not perfect, right? We have mm-hmm. an ICE detention center right there in Tacoma. It's a thing that we rallied against. Stood outside and bought pizza for all the volunteers that were doing campouts there. Yeah, well, it, and there's, you know, there are legal funds here that need support. Um, so I think, you know, I I donated to the Texas Civil Rights Project that is supporting the, the um, families that are down there trying to get 
access to our court system. Um, but there are there are programs here as well that are trying to help the families at Northwest Detention Center, and they need some they need some love. Uh, can we take a quick brain break for a second? No. Yes. What is the last thing you watched on television? That you liked? Yeah. Because that <laughs> that, that's a bit, yeah, you have to differentiate. Uh, so I usually only watch with my daughter. Are we on, are we recording? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> she was watching some show about um, like supersized pets. So it was a show about people who have like a cat that weighs 40 pounds or a giant lizard, like a big Komodo dragon sort of looking thing. That is wild. That's the kind of TV I turn on for my, I have a dog with high anxiety. And like the, one of the things people said was turn on the TV and leave him. And I spend so much time trying to find TV for him to watch. And so that actually sounds like something I'd turn it on for my dog. Really, there was a whippet <laughs> who had some weird uh, gen- genetic mutation that gave him double muscles. So he looked like an incredible Hulk whippet. Whoa. It was very weird. That's a buff ass whippet. <laughs> I love this. I follow a Twitter called Chonky Animals, and so I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> Jay's I'm sold. In. This. Yeah, we like to uh, occasionally just take a break in the middle of our interviews and just talk about stuff that's not relevant. <laughs> uh, moving on to a topic that's equally as heavy, I think, here uh, in Rainier Beach, we're facing the building of a youth jail. And when I sat down and Sarah and I sat down with uh, one of your opponents, we asked him, do you support this? And he said, well, I need to see who's going to be being housed there. and I'm just going to tell you my response was, uh, it's young black men. Those are primarily going to be who are housed at that youth jail. Uh, how do you feel about the youth jail? Do you support it? Do you think city funds should be going toward it? Like, what's your stance on that? So the youth jail is being built in the central district. Yeah, D3, yeah. not D2. Yeah. But it's, and it's very intentional why it's there, right? Like, this is goes back to our history of redlining and racism and what we tell communities. So. The thing about the youth jail is that uh, we could have stopped this many years ago when the city council had the ability to say no to the rezone that allowed it. Uh, Bruce Harrell was one of the council members who supported that rezone. And in our last campaign, when this came up, was saying over and over again, you know, that's, no, that was not my decision. That's a county jail. That's a county facility. That, we, that was just a zoning issue for us. That was just land use, which is another reason why I think it is so important that our city council acknowledge that land use is the power that they have. Everything about the way that we zone and allow our neighborhoods to change and grow goes through land use, permitting, what we're allowing to be built, what we're allowing to be destroyed. And there, you know, there's a reason why that jail is in the central area, because when they built it originally, that was a very clear statement to the black community that this is what we think of you and, and where we want you to be. Um, so the fact that it was allowed to be rebuilt there, I think, is deeply problematic. Uh, I don't agree with it. I've been I'm not an active part of the No Youth Jail Coalition, but I've been meeting with them for as a human rights commissioner uh, trying to figure out how we can stop it. It seems pretty clear that it's going to be built. But if there is any way to change the purpose of it, uh, you know, then I think we need to figure out how to do that. And I don't know if that's changing it into housing. I don't know if that's, you know, turning it into a temporary shelter for folks. But I don't think that 
putting our young people in jail serves this purpose, as we were talking about earlier, of restorative justice. You know, we need to really commit to transitioning away from a punitive way of dealing with young people. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And the reason it's such a big deal in uh, District 2 is because there is such a, a it's such a large black population. Yeah. And this is and the reality is, is even though it's being built in District 3, it's the youth of District 2 that are going to suffer. Yeah, absolutely. But this is where when we talk about about putting local legislation on a national scale, this is how nuanced and important it is for people to get involved at the city level and not even just state. Get involved in your city level, uh, city, county, state. All of it matters because it is literally a zoning permit issue that allowed this to happen. Right. It wasn't that they just bought the land and did it. It was city council zoning permits, which is city council jurisdiction. So if you ever think city council is not that important, exactly. think again. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. And uh, the youth jail, I mean, we've I was very strongly against it and remain strongly against it. I actually, for context, um, to kind of connect more of this national stuff and like this is how cities can learn from each other, everybody. Um, the, mid the middle school I went to when I moved to Southern California in eighth grade was actually a youth jail that they converted into a middle school. So it is entirely possible. The running joke was it had no windows, but that's OK. Uh, <laughs> I still got an education and we still converted it into a school and it was still better for the community than a youth jail. And if we've learned anything, they can be great defense points in the zombie apocalypse. Well, there you go. There we did it. Found the, we found the <laughs> repurposing. <laughs> you did it, Jay. Good for you. Um, so we're gonna. I have a couple quick questions. We only have a couple questions left. Um, so we're almost done. <laughs> so in the when we went and we do our we do a little bit of our research on people before they come into the studio, and that's okay. you know and what as you do. Um, and we read through the most recent Seattle Times questionnaire. I think they just published it today. Um, when I last checked my Apple News, it was like three hours ago. I'm like, oh. <laughs> uh, so you talked about job creation in District 2. And so you, fo you focused primarily on facilitating apprenticeships through union jobs. But do you think that there's more that we can be doing, too, in addition to that? So I totally agree with you. I think we need to fund. I'd love to see youth jail funds go to funding programs in high schools that would allow apprenticeships for juniors and seniors with union members in the trades, which is what we used to have many years ago, yeah. um, all throughout public education. But do you think there's even more that we could be doing than just that? Sure. Well, I talked earlier about the work that we're trying to do at Rainier Beach, right? Because we know that people need jobs. Uh, we have a goal anyway of setting, creating this food innovation center, and that would provide employment for people to do small scale food manufacturing, to do office work, to do uh, transportation, logistics, warehousing. There's all kinds of things that we could be doing if we commit to a local community economic development strategy. And I think that's one of the things that drives me crazy about the focus when we talk about business in this city is that everybody goes straight to Amazon and Microsoft and Boeing. But there are lots of small businesses that we could help grow. People are interested in creating makerspaces, so supporting entrepreneurs who are doing smaller scale manufacturing of goods and um, crafts. And, um, and we also could be supporting entry into the tech sector, entry into gaming. Um, but that requires an investment in our education system, too. So we have, you know, upstream a lot of work to do to make sure that our young people have the kind of quality education that allows them to take advantage of these jobs. You know, a lot of the a lot of the tech companies are pulling people in from outside the city. And there's no reason that should be happening, especially given the salaries that some of these folks are making. Um, it's not okay that the 
jobs that our young people are, you know, sort of set up for are the warehouse jobs, crappy warehouse jobs where there's poor working conditions and low pay when they should be the ones who are filling filling all of these uh, vacancies at assorted tech companies in the city. We won't name Amazon's name. It's fine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we also, uh, I I think the job creation within the city itself is actually, it's, there's a huge opportunity. Everyone thinks of cities and like, oh, you're limited to office jobs and like, yeah, kind of. But at the same time, like, you know, investing in things like trades, we talk about the trade shortage. Why aren't we investing in trades in our kids? And I think that that's, it's a really unique perspective on it. because it's something I talked about a lot, actually, when talking about education. Um, And then, you know, we got to ask questions in response to things that were said by uh, other folks that we've interviewed who are also running in your district, who we won't name. Uh, One of your opponents talks about a lot about, I'm using air quotes, but no one can see it, rising crime in District 2 and the city as a whole. So much so he appeared in the uh, wonderful contentious news piece of Seattle is dying. Um. (laughs) Sorry, I was like, sneeze. Uh, how do you respond to this statement? So when he talks about that, when uh, this person says there's rising crime in District 2, there's crime all over the place. You go outside, crime. Go to your car, crime. Just crime everywhere. Um, how do you respond to that statement? And what do you feel is more, what do you feel is is the, what's really happening? So that's a great question. Uh, I will go back to Rainier Beach where we have a program called A Beautiful Safe Place for Youth. Uh, it is a coalition of organizations that work on addressing just this issue. And we have a program called Corner Greeters where we have young people, high school kids who go out after school and provide kind of safe passage to young people. It's a violence interruption program. It's a partnership with the community police. It's a partnership with Seattle Neighborhood Group. Over the last, I want to say five years, we've seen a 30% reduction in crime in the neighborhood. And I say that because, A, it's not true that there's a rise in crime. If you actually invest in community solutions to the problems that you see, you can you can have a deep impact on your neighborhood. And this is important because, you know, the young people that I work with, most of whom are from Rainier Beach High School, uh, they don't, you know, they're proud of where they live. They're proud of their neighborhood, of the of the elders in the neighborhood. They're proud of their community, of the assets in our community. And they are tired of being told that their neighborhood is just some crappy place where, you know, where there's just a bunch of violence and crime. So I think it is a disservice to the people of our district to, you know, hone in on this one issue and say that that is reflective of everything that's happening in this district. It's just not true. And the fact is that crime is actually down over the last few years, um, at least in this one neighborhood. I can't speak to every neighborhood, but it is an important bit of information. And I know we talk a lot about uh, community relationships with police officers, especially in a district with such a large community of color base here in District 2. So when we talk about police accountability with communities and with regards to crime, um, what kind of programs do you want to see? How do you want to see police become more community oriented and less, um, I guess, violence oriented, if that <laughs> makes sense? Um, so. I'm not a fan of the idea of hiring 200 more police officers. I think there are other things we could be doing with that money, like investing in restorative justice programs and community solutions to some of our problems. Um, I think that the police, you know, 
if we are if we can move back to this maybe this is naive but move back to this sort of mayberry police walking down the street and actually knowing people having relationships with people that could potentially be beneficial i think the problem is that there is so little understanding of our community it it, it seems you know the the police who are patrolling are in cars they don't get out and talk to people so that's problematic the bigger question about police accountability, I think, is a crucial one, because we all know that we've been under a consent decree for seven years. We thought we were making progress, um, but Judge Robart, who is responsible for overseeing this, just recently said that, you know, in many ways we have made progress on the reforms that have been required, except for the issue of accountability. And the fact that the Police Officers Guild keeps pushing back every time there is an attempt to hold bad police officers accountable is deeply problematic. I think it would be go a long way toward building trust with the community if the good cops, and I'm sure there are many, would actually come out and say, yes, we need to hold the bad cops accountable. There is no reason why somebody who is a, a you know, taxpayer-funded public servant who's walking around with a weapon should not be held accountable if there's a problem. So I'm hopeful that the Community Police Commission continues to hold, uh, you know, their ground and say, you know, we're talking about communities of color and they deserve to have a voice in how this accountability conversation continues and they deserve justice. I think that that's a, a a big thing in the district is police accountability for sure and making sure that we're finding ways to do that. But you mentioned a, a ruling by a judge. Do you mind expanding a little bit for anyone that might not be familiar with what that means or what that is? So uh, so we're under consent decree since 2012. We've been under a consent decree where um, the the uh, judge, Jason Robard, Jason, right? I think so. Feels right. Jay oh, Robard. Wait, that's, a, that's an actor. <laughs> is it? <laughs> Judge Robart uh, is, <laughs> is monitoring the consent decree. And there are, you know, there were dozens of things that the police department needed to do with regard to accountability, with regard to uh, uh, bias policing and racial profiling. And many of the things that have been in discussion for the last several years, he has ruled have been we've made some progress on. But the thing that he keeps coming back to is the issue of accountability and, you know, the, the fact that, for example, officers who are found to have some sort of, um, you know, uh, uh, sorry, I'm having a brain fart. <laughs> officers who have been found to mistreat somebody, for example, um, might get put on some sort of leave, but they still get paid. If there is an officer who has been accused of something, they sort of get a little extra time for managing how that information gets put out instead of being really transparent about what's happened. So there are many ways in which um, the effort to hold officers, hold, hold the department accountable are getting blocked by the Police Officers Guild. And so, you know, we just... And we know this is a problem because just a few weeks ago, the police department's own report said that they arrest people of color more often than they arrest white people. I forget the percentage, you know, maybe five or 10% more often. 
but it is white people who have weapons on them more often. So people of color are getting stopped and frisked more often, even though they know that they're not the ones necessarily who are carrying weapons. And so the question becomes, why is that happening? And the department's response in the report was, gee, we don't know. Well, I can tell you why it's happening. Racial profiling, that's why it's happening. And so that's why the judge is saying, you might be there on some other steps on, on accountability. We're not there yet. And so we will continue to observe. And when we um, when we talk about uh, so you made a comment earlier about good cops in the system stepping up and take and holding the plate. So when they choose to be police officers, they enter into what is inherently a racist system. How do you how do you encourage these people or how would you how, what would be your vision for these people that don't buy into that racial component or want to change that racist component of an inherently racist system? What would be your advice to them or how could they move within the police officers guild to try and change that in the city? Is there anything they could do? That is a great question. <laughs> You know, I will say that I think the 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 structure of the departments, the structure of the institution is such that it is just created to, you know, support this sort of white supremacist culture. And that's just a fact um, that is, you know, something that is going to be hard. It's hard to shift culture. I think that the the institution itself is problematic. And I and I do think that that's why we need to start looking at these restorative justice models, at community solutions, at other ways that we can approach uh, the way people operate in our community without relying so heavily on a punitive system. Now, if we're talking about violence and murder and assault, that's different. But if we're talking about young people, misdemeanors, we need to start moving away from that, from yeah. the way that we do that now. Kind of like loitering being a crime, because really what it was is not loitering. It's standing well black. So, yeah. Yeah. So perfect. I mean, thank you for coming in and taking all of our questions. I know we never make this easy on anybody. So don't worry, you're not alone. <laughs> thank you. It's been my pleasure. Happy to be here. Yeah. Again, thanks so much. It's been great. Uh, great answers. I thought I really enjoyed having you here. Uh, anything you felt like you didn't get to say, you get one last chance. Mm -hmm. We've had it happen. In that case, uh, get your ballots in and vote for Tammy. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Succinct. I like it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Corn, for producing. Thank you, Jay, for joining me as my co-host. And uh, we believe that on the Better Left podcast, this episode is Better Left to Tammy Morales. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tammy. So thank you, everyone, for checking out that interview with Tammy Morales. She is, I, I, I really liked her. I was very impressed. Um, I, I think Tammy is a really square head on her shoulders. She's very smart. She knows what she's doing. And honestly, she's super sharp. And she kind of, like, she looks at you and she's like, I see through you. Whatever your lies are, I see through your bullshit. And I appreciate that about women. She's a strong woman who is who is really fighting to make Seattle a better, more egalitarian place for working people. So good on the issue. She really helped educate me as well. Like I had an issue with Herbald and, you know, like, let's get the victims and them, you know, perpetrators of hate crimes together. And she's like, oh, no, no, restorative. Like she had a. It was a whole program. It was great. Yeah, she really she's she's top notch. She's already working with city council members to try and like create new programs. So she's super cool. Check her out. Um, she's she's really great. But now we want to get into after a very heavy and intense episode about war and meth up gators and Seattle and city council. What did I do? Um, meth up chicken? Oh, squirrel. Yeah, yeah, mine was the gator, which we talked about tasted like chicken. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. So we're going to kind of mix it up a little bit. We want for our 10th episode, we want to give you guys more insight about 
about uh, your hosts, all four of us, and uh, we want you guys to kind of know more stuff about us. So we're all we all went and picked a question, and then Corn picked a BuzzFeed quiz. So that's going to be its own thing. Corn's going to go last, and we're going to go through each question. Corn's going to read the question and the options, and we're going to quietly choose from the options every time she asks the question. And then we'll uh, at the end, we're all going to go around and say what kind of croissant we are. Yeah. Um. So I guess I'll kick it off because I'm the, already talking. Uh. So you guys, if a crystal ball could tell you the truth about yourself, your life, the future, or anything else, what would you want to know? Oh. Ooh. Mm. Uh, Who's answering? I'm. I'll answer. I'll yeah. go first. Dang. Um. So if it could answer anything about me, I'd want to know. Um. Oh, man. What would I want to know? I I don't want to know how I die. Weirdly. Um. I want to know. What's the what is the thing that I feel like I'm missing that could make me happy? That's what I would want to know. Like that would like sustain long term sustained happiness. Like where is what is my long term life goal? What should it be? What is that goal? That's some shit. Yeah, you know I don't what, super know. You want to know what mine is? <laughs> Always. So I don't know exactly how to word this. Like how I would ask Crystal Ball, but like, do I need to pay my student loan bills? <laughs> Like, is, 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 is climate change going to take us out or not? Because, like, if I don't need to pay these bills, I'm not fucking paying them. I'm over it. We're just on Ooh. different sides <laughs> of the spectrum today. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Um, I just, yeah, I'd like to know uh, if the if uh, the transformation of the economy and the, if, you know, uh, the kind of saving of the environment happens. You want to know if we go through like a violent revolution? I feel like no, 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 <laughs> a, a, no. I'm telling you, do we ever get there? No, 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 something totally different, a nonviolent one, oh, yeah. and a long one, and a sustained one, and one that no one can ever take from anybody, really. Oh, I like because it's one. just it's kind of one of those things. Is it almost goes back to like biblical shit? It's like it's uh, revolutions are internal. I'm all like, I want to know how to solve my own depression. Yeah. And you guys are like, we're all political issues. I'm like, oh, all right. One it's, of us at the table is it's sad. Like, it's, like a, it's an internal, external. It's a, it's a weird thing. There's a weird dynamic at play today. And I, I would like to know how all this turns out. Yeah, that's a uh, that's good. That's a really, really good it helps you know what your next steps ought to be. Like corns, like should I pay or not? Um, <laughs> yeah. Read the question for me just one more time. So if you, if a crystal ball could tell you the truth about yourself, your life, the future or anything else, what would you want to know? So I don't think I'd want to know about myself because I think I do. I mean, I, I think I've got a pretty good sense of self, maybe too much um, in that I'm pretty hard on myself about stuff. Um, I think I would want to know what, what is the most effective thing that I could do for the people in my circle uh, and beyond to help elevate and amplify the good work we're doing? It, it feeds Aww. me. It makes me it, – I, I, I really stay up – like I literally up in the living room – putting together a giant chandelier but it was my it was my thinking thing i can just you know kind of design it the whole entire time i'm thinking like you know um what i wonder what office corn would want to run <laughs> or like what can i do to help you know 
the other thing too is that I get really uh, overwhelmed with gratitude, and so I'll just wake up in the morning. I'll be like, "Hey, Sarah, I just wanted to tell you, I just really appreciate the space you take up in the world, and I'm glad that you're here." <laughs> you know, or uh, you know, message corn and uh, make a sign or not a web a website called you know corn services with a bunch of pictures. And I mean, it's just my way of just saying like, "I see you," and I just want to know what's the best way. To do that, and then how do you Aww. how do you bottle that up? You, you guys know? are so nice. Like, okay, one of us at the table is struggling with depression right now, so thank you for pointing that out. And Troy, <laughs> what's your question for our group? <laughs> Move on. Well, my question <laughs> is, um, okay, we'll go to a site that I'm not super. It's not my. It's kind of clickbaity. Oops, <laughs> and I've went all the way down to some kind of creepy. Listen, sites, just give I think me a that's break. Mandy Moore. I, 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 I went down to like some kind of fashion thing or yeah. whatever. Um, imagine that all of us, um, and when I mean all of us, like Better Left Network, it's, you know, the people are manifold. Like we've got people everywhere. Um, what if we were all to go on vacation where you have all the money you need? You have – everybody can go. Um, it'll be a, a space that's made for folks with mobility issues and we have friends that are gluten issues. There will be no dairy bill. Um, we did it. Because <laughs> okay. Bill can't have dairy, everybody. Ten episodes in a row. Yeah. Oh, wow. You get the big cheese award. Yeah. Um, where would you take folks and 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 Why? Ooh, where and why? honestly, I would want to take. I'd want to. I know this pretty quickly. Like it came to me too fast. I feel. Um, I'd want to take people to Thailand. Ah, oh, because I'd I, love that. if it's totally accessible, if every all dietary restrictions are met, like I love immersing myself in cultures that are really different than mine, and so it's some place that I think it's got a lot of what everyone likes. It's got like uh, enough museums to keep people entertained, monuments, beach stuff, nightlife. There's so such a plethora of things for people to do that the idea of bringing people that I care about to this really cool space where there's tons of stuff to do in in the whole gamut of of listicles you could think of about like stuff you want to do on vacation. Yeah. Um, to be able to give that to people and have them not have to worry about things like mobility or or dietary restrictions or personal restrictions or anything because it's all there i I think that'd be great i think it'd be super fun um so i haven't been a lot of places so it's kind of tough for me so i think something that would be fun was like let's do a staycation in port angeles where i grew up like y'all can see the the craziness for what it is um but like doing staycations still costs money, you know, like you got to get the cabin or the Airbnb and do all the touristy things, go to the the game farm and the Hurricane Ridge and all the stuffs. But uh, yeah, I'm a hometown girl, you know, I Aww. like that. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I just yeah. I would I, I consider going back home vacation. I, mm-hmm. I consider it like a almost like a recharge <laughs> experience. I love it. Same. Yeah. Is that your answer? Yeah. You, oh, you yeah. take us and to your hometown? Home? Oh, yeah. home? Southern Illinois. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Ah. Southern Illinois and Port Angeles and Thailand. And where would you want to take us all, Troy? You know where I'd want to take us all? And I know that I, you know, I thought about, I mentioned mobility and that kind of stuff. This is a bit challenging. And, uh, but, you know, money's no object. That means we've created comfort. And, and uh, I would want to take us to Peru. Ooh. And I'd want us all to do ayahuasca together. Oh. <sighs> What is that? 
Jay is nodding vehemently in the background as our producer right now. (laughs) Ayahuasca is this, um, it's, it's kind of a, you have a shaman and you, you go and you collect all of the things that you need right from the, you know, the rainforest, you're there, you're in the jungle and then you create sort of a paste or a beverage, um, uh, and the ayahuasca, it, they see it as a spiritual sort of cleansing of yourself i guess there's a lot of vomiting and you know other things it's like Um, a normal vacation yeah well for us yeah (laughs) uh if vacation means blackout drunk no that's a joke (laughs) please ayahuasca responsibly um but uh but yeah and and then you um kind of it's sort of like this fighting of a demon sort of thing but not and uh but then there's people there to walk you through it and yeah i just think it would be i think it'd be i want to be there with the people I trust and the people who've taught me so much, you know, and allowed me to open myself up to just being like, I'm dumb. I don't know. Yeah. And be okay in that space. I think I that'd like be that. interesting. That's a good one. I would totally do that, by the yeah. way. I'm hardcore. Uh, and Bill, what's your uh, what's your question for us? Oh, uh, it is, oh, if you could be any fictional character, who would you choose? Oh, man. I have That's to a choose. Tough one. That's a tough if I could be mind. any fictional character, who would I want to be? Well, I'm already Lucy. Well, no. Fiction means not real, right? Lucy, Lucy Apple Juice is a real character. Yeah, Sorry. she's real. Yeah. Corn. Yeah. She's a real yeah, dog. You have so many personas. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like corn is talking yeah. about being Lucy, Lucy yeah. Apple Juice. Yeah, I'm also corn. Yeah, that's a thing. You're corn first. Very yeah. agricultural. Yeah, that's yeah. a good question, Bill. Um, it's a really good one. I'm gonna stick with my old standby. It's because I relate to this character on a super deep level. So Medusa. Just be like, yes, thank you, Medea. Actually, I murdered my husband. <laughs> Medea. <laughs> Hi, Jay. Um, so I think uh, I would probably stick with my old standby, uh, Veronica Mars. Oh, you are a Veronica Mars. <laughs> I love that show. But I thought you meant Medea, like Tyler Perry's Me Medea. Oh, yeah. no. I meant like the, the actual like Greek mythology Medea who murders her husband, Not Jason to me, of you don't. Argos. No, she murders her brother. Not Whatever. to me, you don't. She murders people. She's kind of a badass witch. Uh, Cersei, <laughs> but like Madeline Miller's Cersei, I would do that too. I'd be her. She's just like a weird little desert witch. Who like hangs out on an island and like turns really gross sailors into pigs and eats them. Oh. <laughs> yeah, she's hardcore. Wow. I love okay. her. She's yeah. like, my family rejected me and exiled me to an island, so I'm gonna take all this dirt and make a lot of potions. <laughs> Be a witch. <laughs> Turn sailors into pigs. Yeah. That's... Bacon. <laughs> So my character that I would want to be, and I thought about it a lot, and I think it's because he's a brooding, um, something about this fuzzy blue dude, uh, Nightcrawler from the X-Men. Oh. I would definitely, like, and I, I want to know about, like, what's the interdimensional place that he's traveling through to go to one thing to the next, and he, he's got line of sight so he can teleport with a person and it's kind of there's the smell of sulfur and all that just always really kind of made me think and he's also acrobatic he's got three fingers and three toes and he's <laughs> he's a monster can i also just say that how dare you madam <laughs> uh nightcrawler uh was um for me my first love oh when you said a uh, big blue fuzzy character, I thought you were going to say uh, the guy from Monsters, Inc. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I thought yeah. you were going to say Barney, yeah. and then I remembered he's, he's purple. Not blue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or fuzzy. Can I tell yeah. you that I didn't like Monsters, Inc.? 
Oh, oh no. That little girl just looked creepy. Boo? Yeah, oh. Boo, yeah. Boo just got yeah. annoying after yeah. a while because yeah. all my friends are doing like doing impressions of her and I'm like, okay, I'm over it now. Thank you. She's like the um minions of uh oh, God, God. I hate minions. Oh god, <laughs> I, I think hate they're minions. worse. Yeah. But what I hate more is like Bellevue wine moms who like minions. I hate them more than I hate minions. <laughs> and they're always like posting minion memes oh, on their friends' stop. pages for happy birthday and just stop. stop it. Um, I think my character so I've said this a couple times as child the only movies I watched they either had dogs or they were cartoons so my favorite movie was 101 Dalmatians and in the end of the movie all the Dalmatians get to like go to like a nice like big area in the country and run around with all their doggy friends Professor X's school of Dalmatian (laughs) yeah so I'd want to be that Oh, I thought you were yeah. going to say Cruella de Vil. No, no, I don't want to kill them. One of the Dalmatians. I just want to be one of them. Oh, yeah. what about you, Bill? So I, I, I too have to default back to uh, childhood uh, because after. So I'm a huge Superman fan, and ah. not, not, not really anymore. It's just like as a child, at like five, four or five years old, for about a year, I, I wore a Superman outfit like twenty four seven. Like my mom mm. used to have to take Whoa. it off of me to wash it. Picture it didn't happen. <laughs> would, uh, there are there are pictures. Let's get them. Would and, you then oh, actually, be upset with you now because you look like Lex Luthor? <laughs> oh, oh, and I have, I do also have to make a distinction because some of these modern Supermans are like just, trash, trash, trash. trash. I was always into the 1940s cartoon Superman. The car- loved it. Okay, loved it. Old timey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, my backup was like a, a Superman, but specifically Henry Cavill's Superman with the CGI edited out mustache was my backup character. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was, kind, I was kind of for the Christopher Reeve Superman, but not really. So when Eminem came out and was like cracking jokes on Christopher Reeves, I was like, he wasn't that good Superman either. <laughs> You're like, I'll allow it. You guys. Uh, it's time though for our the title of the cris, of the quiz of is, the croissant of the croissant the croissant, it, what's, the what's, the what's, the croissant. Oh, and, and just the you, cro- you can cut croissant. this but just real quick a joke if you thought that was bad just remember uh, Jeff Bezos was uh, hanging out with the guy that chopped his employee up <laughs> that's true and he's planning on Friendly shipping reminder. everyone to Mars yeah yes so yeah um, you guys want to know like what characters you are and crystal ballness but i just want to know what kind of croissant you are based on the vacation you plan can you will you be able to interpret our choices when we make them like (laughs) make a quiz for you are that person because yeah i'm an i'm an expert yeah okay all right so we're gonna Uh, read the name corn's gonna read the question and then the four answers and we're gonna quietly pick one yep okay is that the plan i thought we had yeah yeah we're quietly picking one. Do you want me to go over it again? Or? No, I'm not going to be quiet. Okay, so choose a vacation destination. We have New York City, London, Malibu, or Barcelona. Barcelona. <laughs> Bill, do you want me to take it for you or are you taking it? What's that? Are you taking the quiz? What is it? Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> go, go to go get in our private uh, our private uh, uh, entertainment okay, channel. Sorry. Bill, sorry, ruining everything. It's sorry, fine, Bill. Stop. Cheating and looking at my selections. You stop cheating and looking at mine. I'm so mad. <laughs> I do want to say, everyone listening, podcastery is uh, a difficult art, but Sarah steals my joke every, <laughs> every time. Day. Always like a second ahead oh, of you. It sucks. <laughs> you got it. 
All right. So okay. Bill's got to grab his croissant quiz. We will continue. You got to pick okay. your first vacation. He's got to pick his first croissant. vacation destination. Where, you guys, where did you guys pick? Uh, no, no, no. no. Oh, that's, we're waiting for end porn. So pick a vacation destination, Billiam. Yeah, London. Wait, you're not supposed to. Oh. Click it, and it's going to stay secret until we're done. Okay. Okay. Next question. Choose a place to eat at a cafe, a pub. A fancy restaurant or a juice bar. Oh, God. Anyone that picks a juice bar is welcome to leave the studio. No, you literally must go now. (laughs) Bill, get out of here. Yeah, because there's no dairy at a juice bar, so maybe... No, it's it's, it's juiced cows. (laughs) That's how you make juice corn. Okay, Okay. choose an activity. Visit a museum, (laughs) walk around the the city, visit tourist attractions, or take a nappy. Who is taking a nap on vacation? I am. Every time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Okay. Um, how long are you staying on vacation? A couple days, one week, two weeks, or a weekend? <clears throat> I know what it is. A weekend. And then choose another activity. Swim, try out new food, take photos, or go to a concert. Oh. I got my answer. So I got excited. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Let's hear it, y'all. All right, wait. Is everyone? I, I'm still okay. working on this. Okay. Uh, okay. Picking their I, second I, I picked activity. it. I picked it. Oh, okay. Sarah, I want to hear all, all about right. you. So, I picked my vacation destination is Barcelona. I picked that. I picked Barcelona. I'm um, so mad. I chose to eat at a pub because I'm an adult. Uh, my first activity is walking around the city. It's one of the first things I always do when I travel. Uh, staying for two weeks because I like going for long vacations. And I chose try out new food uh, for my other activity. And it made me a chocolate croissant. You are a fun, adventurous person. Mm. Eat it, all of you. <laughs> it's a croissant joke. Okay, Should I go next? <laughs> yeah. Sarah stole answer by answer <laughs> every single thing that I'm going to be. So we're both... Chocolate croissants. Wow. I do want to say this. I don't like chocolate. Oh. Why didn't I know I that? Um, I don't make a big deal out of it. All right. Go okay, on, Bill. Billiam. I'm a classic croissant. No, but what were your answers? Oh. We need, well, I want to know all know. about you. <laughs> Bill's one of the smartest people at yeah. this table, uh, except about this. Uh, his <laughs> this. He's like, damn it. I don't know. What is a BuzzFeed? Who's <laughs> feeding all the buzz? Yeah. Okay. okay yeah. Uh, Choose a des- uh, vacation to London. So dirty. Uh, a cafe. Okay. Do I, I guess I have, I'm fucking this up. I'm no, sorry. You're no, good. no, you're good. Okay. No, that's good. You're, you're good. good. Choose a place to eat a cafe. Okay. A- activity. Visit a museum. Wow. Um, how long? One week. Choose another activity. Go to concert. Classic croissant. I, this is this, this is a mixing of terms here. It says you're simple. And funny. How is classic, simple, and funny? I don't know if these things mix. You're, you're like a good pair of chinos. Who's I, I wearing do, chinos? I do want to say, though, um, it's got to be two weeks. It takes you time to two get weeks. the... Two I chose a week. Ah, well, sorry. What's your... Who are you? Uh, I'm also a classic croissant. Because oh. when you look at a croissant, you're like, that's funny, right? <laughs> I think, wow, that's yeah. simple and funny. Yeah. Uh, I, I chose Barcelona. I'm okay. eating at a cafe. Uh, I'm taking a nap. I'm yeah. staying for a week because I miss my doogie. I like oh. to get home. Um, and then uh, I'm also trying out some new food. It was yeah. a hard one. I was trying out. Yeah, yeah. For me, I was like, go to a concert, try new food. That's but where the I thing, was stuck, too. Yeah, the thing about it, though, here's why it's got to be two weeks. You are going to, where are you going? 
I'm going Barcelona. to Barcelona, yeah. The time yeah, difference weeks, itself. Yeah. Okay. Your body just needs I've time to convinced. figure out what time it needs to poop. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. Your body's like, I can't poop, it's 2 a.m. But, it's like 2 a.m., you gotta poop. Yes. I'm, I'm kind of not surprised that me and Bill are kindred croissant spirits, and you you two are as well. I thought for right? sure you and me, me would yeah, be true, on point. True. Okay. But yeah. That's fine. Surprise. You know what I've learned? It takes all kinds of croissants to, it does. M- to make your delicious, like a uh, continental breakfast yeah. that we would be having in Barcelona. Uh-huh. I, I stopped mm-hmm. looking at croissants years ago. <laughs> Because they're too, are they too simple and funny? Too dairy ish. <laughs> That's right. Oh, no, they're like ninety percent butter. Yeah. Are you <laughs> mad that you were too basic? No. No, Bill called it. I'm the both of them. You're just basic. Yeah. We're simple and we're funny. We're just classic croissants, yeah. man. Just chilling. <laughs> oh, wait, what did I say? Who are adventurous I, I, and lovable or something? They should have added. They should have added another different than question funny. as like, are you lactose intolerant? <laughs> <laughs> so then you could be a dairy free croissant. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that might have been because uh, somebody here forgot you were lactose intolerant and they picked. How, does, how do you even not take that into consideration? <laughs> Maybe after 20 episodes, we'll remember. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, this about wraps up our 10th episode. Woo! We've done 10 episodes. Yeah, we did it. So this is our 10th episode. Thank you guys so much for sticking with us at the Better Left Podcast. We are so excited to continue on this amazing, epic journey. We're going to keep doing this thing. We have too much fun with it and it's a great excuse to learn weird stuff about my about my friends <laughs> and if you are here in washington state um ballots are in the mail and you should have them by now so be sure that you get those mailed in or dropped off at a drop box by august 6th and if you're not in washington state your local elections are coming up your local primaries your local generals do your research into your local elections they matter so much it is a thing that we have been hammering away at for weeks about how important your local elections are please don't make all of this be in vain please get involved and vote in them you know and, and take a look at what's going on in your neck of the woods and let us know let's talk about it let's have a discussion you can uh share your comments with us you can email us directly um but i have a question for the people who are listening because it's our, you know, I want to know from you, what are you most excited about for the future? When you think about your life, when you think about what's going on in the world, and I know that we can get a little overwhelmed by some of the bad stuff that's going on, but what what inspires you? What are you excited about? What gives you hope uh, and and share a little bit so we can share your good stuff with everybody else. Yep. We all need a, a little, we need a global palate cleanser is what we need. Yeah. And we just want to know what are, what are the things that keep you going and tell us what kind of croissant you are. Yeah. We'll share a link on Twitter and uh, when we post the podcast so you can actually take the Buzzfeed quiz yourself too. And you can find out what kind of, if you are a chocolate fun and adventurous croissant or a plain, simple and funny croissant. And, and I'm, I'm sure there's others. I want, yeah, exactly. I want to know if, is there a third type? Is or, there a fourth type? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. We will never, the four of us will never know because no. we're too similar. So uh, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in to the Better Left podcast. Uh, next time we are going to be having a, a uh, discussion about I know I promised early on a discussion about religion and politics mm. and we are getting that put together we just prioritized some city council candidates first so we are going to be putting up that religion and politics episodes we can talk more about what it's like to be a person of faith on the left so tune in to our 11th episode where we're going to have that ready and raring to go and uh, we believe the next episode is going to be better left to our religious community thank you so much for tuning in bye, bye. Peace. bye. I was going to ask you you know what do you think my most embarrassing moment was Ooh. Uh, yours? Yeah, that you, when you poked know your about. butt. Yeah. Well, I didn't poke my butt. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, he stubbed, <laughs> I stubbed, stubbed his butt. I stubbed his butt. Yeah. I'm really tall. I bent over.